Opioids are a major topic of discussion in North America and Europe. In the United States, authorities estimate that over 64,000 people have died of opioid overdose in 2016 alone. The opioid crisis has gotten to such a critical point that U.S. President Donald Trump called it a public health emergency. The U.S. is trying to control opioids prescriptions, which has led pharmaceutical companies to seek other markets, notably Brazil. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, and this is Explaining Brazil. Is Brazil at risk of having an opioid crisis in a couple of years? Well, experts believe that there's reason for concern. And to discuss that, I'm joined by Austin Andrew, a young Canadian journalist who is doing his internship with us at the Brazilian Report. Hello, Austin. Hello, Gustavo. Austin, you've written a story for the Brazilian Report website called Is Brazil Brewing an Opioid Crisis of Its Own? So what's happening there? I mean, you come from Canada, you're in Brazil for, what, one month? Mm -hmm. Can you just, uh, as a bit of context... Can you tell us a little bit about the opioid crisis in North America? Because we talk about the U.S., but Canada is also experiencing a, a big crisis, right? Yeah, Canada in particular is facing a crisis with fentanyl. As we put more regulations towards opioids, such as oxycodone, um, people are finding other ways, such as the synthetics, which can be made in like basements or labs. Allow me to, to jump in, just uh, because opioids are drugs which has active substances which are chemical cousins of heroin, right? Yes, absolutely. And so, um, whereas fentanyl is entirely synthetic, most opioids require um, opium from the, the poppy seeds. So you, you were talking about Canada. What's going on over there? In Canada, we're facing a lot of fentanyl deaths. Fentanyl is very, very dangerous. Just... A tiny little bit on your finger could kill you. And there's even some instances where first responders are dying just um, finding people who are overdosing. At that point? Yeah. Wow. North America and Europe are trying to curb opioid consumption, which has led a lot of producers to seek profits elsewhere. And Brazil, as a 200 million uh, people nation, is a very promising market. So... Who came here? What's going on in Brazil right now? Well, uh, companies such as Mundi Pharma, which are direct um, parent companies to Purdue Pharma, which are the the organization behind the opioid crisis in the United States and the, the creators of OxyContin, they've started uh, aggressive marketing campaigns in Brazil to get doctors to overcome opioid prejudice, where... Um, Many doctors in Brazil, they do have, um, they are wary of prescribing opioids, and so perhaps a little bit more than they should be. However, now with companies like Mundi Pharma, they're trying to get doctors to prescribe a lot more and tap into this market in Latin America, which could be disastrous. Because in the U.S., opioids became this multi-billion dollar industry thanks to very aggressive marketing strategies. Can you explain a little bit how did, especially Purdue Pharma, how did they market these drugs? What are they bringing to Brazil? Are they bringing the same guns? Um, I would say it's not as aggressive as they were in the United States, but they are pulling some of the same tricks. By, uh, For example, Monday Pharma released a 
press release stating that many people with chronic pain feel anguish and fear and they can't enjoy their life. And so to bring more to life, one of those solutions happens to be opioid analgesics. And so they really downplay the dependence and addiction that could possibly come from taking opioids and really try to sell the fact that opioids is a great treatment option for people who have moderate to severe pain. It's funny you mention that because uh, I've read uh, some articles in mainstream Brazilian media that actually buy into that narrative that uh, we are not prescribing as much as we should, mm -hmm. that the level of opioid prescriptions in Brazil are up to 25 times uh, below the recommended. And Are these tactics working? Well, um, a group of researchers saw that opioid consumption in Brazil has jumped by 465% over six years. And so considering legal prescriptions, I'd say that, yeah, it seems like it has been working. Uh, to break that down, prescriptions have jumped from 1.6 million in 2009 to 9 million in 2015. And so those are just the raw numbers of legal prescriptions, but it really paints a picture that a lot more opioids are being prescribed in Brazil, and perhaps that means that more people are using opioids, which could potentially, down the road, lead to another crisis. And that's only legal prescriptions, right? Yeah, it's I mean, only legal The internet, black market, one pe person passing their drugs to the other person, none of that is accounted, right? Yes, uh, one researcher from the State University of Rio de Janeiro told me that there's many websites on the internet for uh, where Brazilians can pick up opioids without a prescription, and they're entirely illegal, not by the companies whatsoever, and even hotlines where you can get antibiotics or opioids without any sort of you know medical representation which uh, does pose a big concern he says that there isn't enough people taking these websites down and even though the hotlines and websites come and go they're not being regulated enough there's still too many out there you could easily find it on google without having to go to the dark web and then the dark web is another thing the dark web has a whole slew of any kind of drug you can imagine available to Brazilians and basically anyone in the world. Just, just a request for listeners, do not Google to search <laughs> opioids on the web. That's not something we recommend. <laughs> But um, the problem of all the opioid discussion is that sometimes it gets to a point where one side is saying ban opioids and the other saying, well, opioids is the path to a happy life. It, it, it's difficult to find the right balance, mm -hmm. right? Yes, it certainly is difficult because opioids are a really effective treatment option for pain. And so people who are cancer patients who are terminally ill might really require having opioids. And there is a, a lot of reasons to give opioids to patients, but it should be a regulated amount and it shouldn't be given out haphazardly. Uh, for instance, in, um, for myself back in Canada, when I got my wisdom teeth out, I got a big bottle of oxycodone, and I must have taken like four of them, but I had like 30 in the bottle. And then like, I just threw them out after because I don't need them. But if I was somebody else, perhaps I was like a drug dealer, I could sell those. That's, that's prime drugs right there. The FDA, the U.S. FDA, um, considers one of the most dangerous substances that uh, are available to people. 
So what makes you qualified to get a prescription of such a heavy substance? Well, um, if you do, if you undergo a procedure, perhaps a dental procedure like myself, or a surgery, you can. But mostly it's for patients who have chronic pain, which is categorized by pain that persists longer than three months. And so that could even be arthritis, for instance, if you have pain that so you could potentially be in the, in the threshold to get opioids. In Brazil, in 2015-16, there was uh, this outbreak of the Zika virus, and every, everybody was concentrated on Zika mm -hmm. because of the severe birth defects it caused on babies when uh, pregnant women were contaminated. But there was also another um, disease that had a, a, an outbreak of its own. It's called chikungunya. It's transmitted by the same mosquito that transmits the dengue fever and... Uh, and Zika, and chikungunya actually causes severe joint pain. And uh, according to experts, those patients would also um, qualify to, to get opioids, right? Yes, that's true. So those patients would also be qualified to get opioids. But then the problem is um, once a patient is prescribed opioids one time, a doctor might feel compelled to give it to them again. So if they've developed uh, tolerance and they're taking more than they should and they don't need it anymore... A doctor might feel compelled to give it to them over and over again because they've given it to them the first time. Is that what's happening in Brazil? That's why we went from 1.6 million to 9 million prescriptions a year? Or are there other factors? Well, that's certainly what happens in the United States. It's hard to tell with Brazil because they don't give too much information of why the doctors are prescribing it. They just give us the raw numbers that these are that there's an increase. And there's also a problem because Brazil, the private health care system and the public health care system, they are separate and they do not necessarily talk to each other, right? Yes, that's true. So um, in Brazil, the public and the private sector are very separated from each other. So a patient could potentially be denied opioids in a public facility, but then go to a private physician and then get opioids prescribed to them. Or get opioids in a public facility and then go to a private facility and also get opioids and have double the amount. And uh, one thing that um, the opioid crisis also leads to is heroin addiction, right? Because mm -hmm. at one point, you stop being able to get legal opioids and you go to the next best thing, which is getting to a going to a drug dealer and getting heavy drugs uh, such as heroin. In Brazil, though, heroin is not, it's not very present here. Uh, it's too expensive mm -hmm. for, for most consumers, and uh, it's too limited to a few areas, right? Yes, the researcher I spoke to from the State University of Rio de Janeiro said that it's almost zero and that it's not even a street drug. It's, uh, very, you, it is possible to get heroin, in Brazil, but very hard, and it's very expensive. It's totally unlike the United States. So while there's a rise in opioids like oxycodone, oxycontin here, uh, heroin still isn't a problem. Would other drugs be a problem, uh, considering the Brazilian context? Perhaps. Perhaps down the line, uh, heroin could become more prevalent with this rise of opioids. One thing that's 
struck me uh, while I was uh, following your research for this article is the sheer lack of data on the subject in Brazil, right? I mean, the, the, uh, the research you mentioned is virtually the only thing we have uh, that remotely resembles a neutral perspective. Because otherwise, most of the data comes from the pharmaceutical companies themselves. That's true. Uh, most of the data on opioids are very specific, whereas this is one of the first studies that has a broader perspective of Brazil as a whole. One thing uh, specific to Brazil is that electronic health records aren't universal across hospitals, and so records from one hospital may not show up in another hospital, or even even in both the public and the private. And what is being doing to monitor that? Because the public healthcare system doesn't seem to be able to do that on their own. The private, maybe it's not interested in doing that. Out of the interviews you, you conducted, what has come out? Well, um, not enough. Not enough is being done. There isn't um, really even a push for electronic health records to be across all the You know, all medical platforms. A lot of countries, the U.S. and I believe Canada uh, as well, have controls on prescriptions. So you cannot just hand out any kind of prescription for any kind of patient. Do we have any sort of check control mechanism uh, in Brazil uh, regarding prescriptions? In Brazil, there is regulations, but doctors, especially in the private sector, can work with a lot less oversight, whereas they won't have as many uh, regulations or people looking over them as they would in the United States and Canada, where it is a crisis. So, Austin, what I understand is that no, Brazil is not experiencing an opioid crisis right now. But if we don't do anything to analyze what's going on, we might find ourselves having to deal with the same thing that North America is dealing with right now. That's true. If um, Brazilians don't start to care about this issue down the line, we could end up with an opioid crisis here. Um, in my discussions with Francisco Bastos of the university state, the State University of Rio de Janeiro, He says that uh, we need a serious talk between the government and the industry. Also, I think a better integration between the public and the private system. Tell me about the relationship between the government and medicine here in Brazil. It's not an easy way. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I think we made a, a big mistake when we broke a tradition that... Either the Minister of Health was, for all our Republican life, a physician or other biomedical person, uh, the deputy coordinator and the board must be composed by experts. What is happening now is that our former minister was, was an engineer. It doesn't make sense. It's not necessarily a positive note, but we have to wrap up this episode. Thanks, Austin. Uh, My pleasure. And congratulations on your, your piece. I also like to thank our listeners. If you like what you heard, please take a look at our website. It's Brazilian.report. Every day we have new content about Brazil politics, economics, and society. We also have exclusive newsletter services. If you want to be briefed on what's going on in Brazil before starting your day, subscribe now to our free trial and enjoy 
all of our content for 14 days. It's really free. You don't have to give your credit card information. You can also follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle is at BrazilianReport. That's all for now. See you next week. Thank you. Mm-hmm.